0: You're listening to Our Children's World, the podcast for millennial parents who want to create the best possible future for the next generation. The percentage of intelligence that is not human is increasing. That means the cost for virtually everything is on the rise. At this very moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Hope is taking action. Welcome to episode three. Of our children's world, three episodes isn't a lot. I know, but it's three times more than I ever thought I'd manage. Even a few months ago, I appreciate you for listening. My name is Brandon. I'm a father of four with the audacity to want his kids to grow up in a world that's better than this one. Whatever you've been up to this week, I hope you and yours are well. Earlier today, my ten-year-old son left to go on a week-long residential trip. I'm sure he'll enjoy himself. he'll be kayaking and rock climbing and exploring caves and building rafts and like most parents, I'm way more nervous than he is. It's a big experience that he's definitely probably ready for. And yesterday, while he was packing, I gave him three quick reminders. one that even though we're not there, he still has to do all the things he's supposed to do because me and his mum won't be there to tell him to brush his teeth. Two, that he has to listen to the people who care about him and want to keep him safe, even if he'd rather just do his own thing. And three, that he should have as much fun as possible. And the best way to do that is to be brave and to push himself just past what he's comfortable with. A few years ago, He had a major fear of swimming. And I spent a long time teaching him about bravery. Bravery, I tell him, is being scared to do something worthwhile, but choosing to do it anyway. The thing is, he's only hearing any of that advice from me because these are all things that I struggle with too. Discipline, leaning on others, pushing myself out of my comfort zone, areas that honestly hold me back to this day. I suspect that's true for a lot of us. We want our kids to outgrow our shortcomings and be more well-rounded and successful and while I'm committed to figuring out how to work on these traits with each of my kids, I know that all the same development areas are just as important for me. It feels like working on them for me at the same time as challenging them to grow is the best way to see results and set them up for the future. This episode is all about an increasingly important trait. And if you think my approach might make sense for you and your kids too, you're invited to join the Our Children's World community, where we'll be exploring the development areas that make us all better prepared for the future parents and kids alike. To be clear, this isn't learning from me because that's almost certainly a bad idea. It's figuring out the most important traits we want to focus on and then working on them together with the help of people who know what they're talking about. If you want to work on the human skills that will still be necessary for decades to come, you can join as a founding member for free right now by going to world, Let's get into the episode. When my oldest daughter, who's 14, was still only about eight, she came up to me in the kitchen and asked me how babies were made. Looking back, I think she had a rough idea because the answer I gave, she clearly wasn't satisfied with. She followed it up with the scariest sentence I could probably imagine at the time. She said, okay, dad, I'll ask Google instead. (laughs) Now, I didn't know how to answer that question, but Google definitely would have. I wasn't ready for her to know that much just yet. So I did what any good dad would do. I found a way to distract her. And I called her mum to talk to her instead. In this episode, we'll be looking at critical thinking, the ability to actively process the world around you to form your beliefs before you take action. It's a skill that comes up a lot as we explore the uncertainty of the world around us, a skill that's crucial as we navigate opposing opinions and completely different agendas, as we... Try our best to figure out the answers to the most important questions, as we're bombarded with information often disguising itself as facts. A few days after my daughter asked me that question, I decided that from that day on, I'd answer any question she ever asked me appropriately for her age. Not just because I was worried she'd learn it elsewhere, maybe, but because As she was learning to think critically, one of the most important things about the answers she got would be where she got them from, and because I reckoned if she was old enough to ask, she was genuinely ready to hear the truth. Since then, she's come home from history lessons at school with slightly uncomfortable questions that have led to hour-long conversations about corruption and racism, and colonialism, and the darker sides of human nature that she genuinely wanted to know about. We've spoken about drugs, and paedophiles, and conspiracy theories she's heard at school. We've spoken about the true value of her education, even if it's different from what school have said. We've even spoken about boys, until she reached the age where I was the last person she'd ever want to ask naturally that became a topic she wanted to think critically about but understandably my input wasn't part of that i don't blame her whatsoever the thing is it feels like if the first step of critical thinking for our kids is asking the right questions from sources that they trust the second step of critical thinking is to be open to new information In fact, in a world of algorithms giving you a select view of the world, or even just friends in the playground giving you a perspective they'll know you want to hear, the second step of critical thinking probably has to go further than that, to actively seek out criticisms of their beliefs, to lean into the answers that they don't want to entertain. In practical terms, that's easier said than done. But the alternative is the echo chambers that we know are so dangerous, the limited thinking that keeps them in the dark, being sure of their conclusions while being hopelessly unaware. For us, it looks like following accounts that represent ideas we don't agree with and regularly communicating with people we have very little in common with. For our kids, I'm not 100% sure. I struggle to picture my daughter on TikTok being deliberate about getting both sides of an argument. But while I'm figuring it out or waiting for the answers, I'm trying and often failing to role model an open-minded approach when I'm asking them questions. I'm committed to showing my kids how important it is to not jump to conclusions, to not dismiss things I know or rather think, are wrong because of everything I've learned before. And if I'm teaching my kids how to have conversations about things they disagree with, then I have to find a way to teach them how to argue, even, and probably especially, with me. The era of not talking back to elders has to remain in the past. I try my very best to remove all power dynamics from our conversations. It's hard (laughs) because it feels important that they learn how to challenge absolutely anyone's ideas. Maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe as they get further into their teens, I'll struggle to keep it up. I don't know, but it feels especially important because for me, at least, The third step of critical thinking is combining different ideas and viewpoints and then being able to articulate their own arguments to make sense of their own conclusions and to be able to open them up to scrutiny without feeling attacked. I'm sure you'd agree that so much of our world is made worse by people who aren't always able to do the same. Conversations without clarity that get reduced to personal jabs and battles between egos where critical thinking becomes almost impossible. I feel like it's on us to ensure our children are exposed to environments that are safe enough for more balanced dialogue. It's probably something we should be prioritising too, whether that's online platforms or just chats in the car. If they aren't able to voice their opinions and don't feel comfortable speaking against other points of view, they'll spend more time just picking a side rather than creating their own lane. And there are people who benefit from that, but none of them are our kids. The fourth step of critical thinking feels like the hardest one to role model, but probably the most important one overall to be aware of their own biases and find a way to admit when they're wrong. I recently found out there are over 300 biases, which I'm never going to learn, but they're all caused by our brain's own limitations. We group information together and connect new ideas to old ones that we've already created opinions about. We make ourselves central to the narrative and only pick up on certain patterns. We simplify ideas and then fill in the gaps subconsciously. Individually, there's no such thing as an unbiased point of view. And because of that, none of us are ever really completely right, which would be cool if we were all wired to be okay with that. Honestly, I have no idea how to teach my kids to see that holding up their hands and accepting another perspective is part of the victory not a sign of defeat, in a world where it feels like most of us as adults are waiting to catch someone out or prove someone wrong or see any incorrect answer as a reflection of someone's intelligence. How do we encourage our kids to celebrate or even just acknowledge when they're wrong? As they grow older, I'm really struggling with that. Me and my partner are in a strange position where our two youngest kids, a girl of three years old and a boy of two months old, are almost like a carbon copy of the older two. They look extremely alike with similar age gaps too. My youngest daughter still innocently has no negative reaction to being wrong, like none whatsoever. All she wants to do is learn and play. And when it comes to the steps of critical thinking, it seems crazy how much the whole process comes naturally to her. She asks really good questions, (laughs) really often, from everyone she feels comfortable with. While she doesn't yet invite them, she doesn't dismiss ideas that are different to what she's heard before. She's comfortable speaking her own mind to whoever's willing to listen, or whoever's just unable to escape And she hasn't yet developed the connection between her ego and her ideas. When she's wrong, it's just a shrug and just another thing she's learned. You might have a child or children at either of those stages or at some point in between. And I'm super curious to figure out at what point the natural path to critical thinking becomes something we have to relearn. Maybe it's not the case for everyone. Maybe it's something I'm doing. I have pretty strong feelings about the seemingly intentional way that social media especially frames most conversations. We found a way to connect every mind on the planet, and yet most meaningful discussions are about the loudest voices or the biggest followings or just super simplistic either-or debates. If the next generation remain in closed-minded silos only able to speak about ideas that they know are safe and acceptable or fight about ideas that are rational but different it's frightening to think how divided our world will be now the last thing i want you to think is that i've got any of this stuff figured out i don't the fact i'm not even close is the reason this podcast exists A few weeks ago, my 10-year-old son asked me a question that surprised me. He was repeating tongue twisters with my youngest daughter just to entertain her. And he turned to me and asked, why would anyone sell shells by the seashore? I asked him what he meant and he went on to say that the beach is full of shells, so why would anyone pay for them? As usual, and, and quite like me, his mind was racing ahead much faster than he could articulate. But eventually, after asking him enough questions, I figured out what he basically meant. What's the point of selling something that there's already loads of in nature for the whole world to already look at? Why is there a price attached? As I looked at him, I just thought how wholesome that question was. And the only answer I could think of at the time wasn't age-appropriate. I didn't know how to translate the answer I really wanted to give which was because capitalism is simultaneously powering and destroying our entire world of life because when left to our own devices most people including me and you will find any way to put greed before the common good because we as humans have found a way to turn everything possible into something we can profit from, even when it wasn't ours to begin with, even when it would have been easier to share. Because when things are abundant, we have a tendency to hoard them and pretend they're scarce so we can create value for them. Instead, I said, who knows? And then regretted it ever since. If you can think of a better way for me to explain it or approach it with questions of my own, to get him to start thinking critically, get in touch and let me know. I'm going to attempt to get it right when he's back from his trip. I know this episode was a little bit different, but I wanted to take a break from looking into the future and focus on a skill set that's a lot closer to home. When new members join the Our Children's World community, they get to share the biggest issues they think will impact the next generation. Next week's episode will be all about the most popular answer by far and the driving force for me starting Our Children's World in the first place. You might be able to guess what it is. You can find me anytime at ourchildrens.world. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.